So, Chief, uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's uh, appropriate to have you on for the last show of 2017 uh, and um, what has been um, a difficult year. And um, I suppose uh, you'll be glad to say goodbye to 2017. Well, first of all, uh, thanks for the opportunity to be on here. Uh, 2017 has been a tough year from an enrollment perspective, mainly, and the whole issue of where we are today with the appeals. But it's been a good year in, in many other respects. And maybe I should just share with you and our listeners some of those things. Mm-hmm. Probably First Nation continues to do what it can on behalf of people and communities. And we've been doing a tremendous amount of job in many areas. We've been helpful to a lot of communities. We've been helpful to our, our young people with respect to the North American Indigenous Games. Just to provide a couple of tidbits of, of where we are, I'll share with you that every year INAC uh, goes through a process of, of evaluation, of risk evaluation for the 634 First Nations band in Canada. And that involves looking at our protocol, our documentation, our reporting, our transparency, our accounting systems, and all of those kinds of things. And every band has to go through this exercise. So in 2016, in the previous year, Halibut First Nations scored 2.02 on a scale of 0 to 60 meaning zero being best and 60 being not great in shape. So bands that are in the 50 to 60 area usually are involved in, you know, third-party management. But so in 2016, Halibut scored 2.04 in the scale, meaning we had the lowest score in Atlantic Canada or best score among all the bands in Atlantic Canada. And we were told informally that INAC believes that was the lowest score in all of Canada or the best score in all of Canada. In 2017, we were just assessed. And we even broke our previous score. We were 1.51 on a score of 0 to 60. We believe, again, it is the lowest or best score or best assessment by INAC for any First Nations band in Canada. And we believe 1.51 is a score I don't think anybody else has ever recorded. So these are very positive things. It tells us, um, first of all, that INAC sees us in a very positive light. Another example of that would be this for 2017. We run an education program, of course, uh, with respect to the federal government education programs, and we contribute roughly $6 million to post-secondary students trying to improve or better themselves. For me, education is about opportunity and improvement, and that's important because we get our young people educated, not only for what they can do for themselves and their families and their careers, but what we can do, what they can do back in their own communities by way of paying it forward into the communities based on and using the education that they have have received through funding from Halibut First Nation. So that was a very, let me finish, Glenn, please. That was a very positive project. The government of Canada, INAC, think we're doing such a good job on the education program that after after giving us responsibility for the education, post-secondary education programs in the Northwest Territories. So that's a very positive thing. They probably could have gone to a lot of other bands to do that, but they came to Halibut First Nation. The other accomplishment I'd like to mention to everybody on the air is that just recently we were advised that Halibut First Nation has been awarded ISO certification 9001-2015. That's what the program is called. So that's quite an achievement. We're probably about the fifth band, I think, in Canada, First Nations band to have ISO. But none of these bands, like us, have ISO certification through all departments in our organization, from finance to natural resources and everything in between. Other bands have got this certification before us, but not with the uh, the widespread program certification that we have. So this is another great accomplishment that we've achieved here. Other things that we're working on, we're trying to expand in the fishery area, fishing area. 
for the first time in the history of indigenous people in Newfoundland and Labrador, we just we just partnered with Mobilbeck First Nation and the Inu Nation in Labrador to try to, to get a license for Arctic surf clams. Never before in our history have such a collaboration happened. That is a very positive thing. Can I, can but Glenn, it's a sign of things to come. the update us on that? Because, uh, I, as we expect, uh, we're by the end of the year about which of the the applicants will get the quota. Is there any, any update yep. from the On the Arctic Surf Climb, Glenn, we won't hear by the end of the year because, unfortunately, Minister Dominic LeBlanc has just reported that he has cancer yes. and he is going, undergoing treatment. And I just heard when I was in Ottawa last week that it might be the case that we won't hear on that thing really soon in the new year. But the minister will get to it, I think, when he's feeling a little better. Yes. The other collaboration we did, Glenn, was working with the Barry Group to try to get a license for Halibut for, for redfish or ocean perch. This is an incredible opportunity if we can make this happen together because there is a plan for the Barry Group to spend over $20 million in investment in a new plant in Benoit's Cove, uh, upgrade of a plant in Port of Basque, and, of course, upgrade and expansion of the fish meal plant in Burgio. We're talking about 200 full-time jobs, new jobs as this happens in our communities, plus a lot of other employment in the construction phase. So, Glenn, these just are some of the things that we're involved in. And there's been a lot more community involvement. We continue to require that our councillors have two board meetings or town hall meetings, one in the spring and one in the fall. We're still working toward that. Um, you know, we open up our, our council meetings to our members, and we even have a question period. That never happens typically in band council, uh, you know, uh, quarters. So these are some of the things, and only a few of many things that we're doing here. We have lots of programs that we're working on, from the Moose High Campaign, the Dances of the New Dawn. We supported the Maui and Grand Falls last summer. We've, of course, always been heavily involved in the Maui, uh, sorry, the, the Powwow in, in Flat Bay with a substantial cash donation to that event. So there's lots of things that we're doing right. Yes. What we haven't been doing, or, or what people suggest we haven't been doing enough with, is the enrollment, and it's been a very, very tough file, of course, as you can appreciate. Yes, no, and um, when uh, when I was talking to Calvin White last week, we were talking about enrollment, and um, and he said the words he used were, we're in the biggest mess we could ever be in, uh, talking about enrollment. And you, you've you just laid out there the, uh, the positive things that happened in 2017, but I wonder to what extent um, enrollment um, uh overshadows all that and um and creates uh, a lot of a lot of bad feeling in the in the uh among the members at this time uh, regardless of the of the accomplishments well well thank you Glenn yeah the enrollment issue and the appeals process and the letters that came out at the end of January early February 2017 were all very disappointing situations for our people disappointing for chief and council too by the way um, maybe there was a different road that we could have gone down uh, to do with all this. But, yeah, it's been tough. And, you know, I, I see so much stuff out there on, on Facebook that I don't see it. Actually, people tell me about because I don't like to go on Facebook. But uh, there are so many people out there with commentary around, and we see it in various media forums about what happened with enrollment. I mean, we can take um, maybe two hours to talk about that one today. Yep. But it's, it's a topic that uh, that needs to be discussed and people need to understand. Yeah, it's been a difficult situation for me personally. And I only say this to the people that are out there, uh, you know, on Facebook, and they spend their time, you know, trying to, to put me down, insult me, harass me, intimidate me, and yeah, and sometimes slander me. I only say to those people, you know, that I am trying to do what I can. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a moment, what I have been doing with respect to this file but they need to take their energy, and I call it negative energy, and put it somewhere else. Maybe concentrate more on the on the real problem that we face right now, and that's government. 
It's not a hell of a First Nation. And, not and the Federation of Indians. What do you think people could could do there? Because I well, you know, Glenn, people need to write. Or... People need to write to their members of Parliament. They need to send letters to Carolyn Bennett and say that we're concerned. When is when is the media, for example, going to interview Fred Caron or Carolyn Bennett on this file? That would be an interesting uh, thing to see happen. And from what I'm here from talking, yeah, I don't talk to Fred. Well, when I talked to Fred Caron about that, he told me, and he's the guy, by the way, who negotiated the whole supplemental agreement with Brendan Shepard and and, uh, and the CEO of Halibut at the time. Um, he's telling me that no one's calling him for an interview. So maybe you know someone needs to contact these people and see how they really feel about us, and that would be be important, you know. You mentioned Calvin White's interview. I did listen to the interview, all right, and he talked a lot about the the issue of legitimacy, legitimate people, and so forth. Just for the record, Carolyn Bennett, out of the three meetings I had with her, Minister Carolyn Bennett, she mentioned to me two of those meetings, my responsibility with, with respect to ensuring that we have a legitimate uh, Mi'kmaq band uh, formed in Halibut. And, you know, it's uh, and, and this issue seems to be a concern from Canada, but I'll, I'll share with you that when this whole process started and, and the ratification, original ratification document, uh, talked about people who had to prove through genealogy that they were, they were descendant of a person who was recognized to have been an Aboriginal person. They weren't talking about, you know, if you were a, a pure Indian or, or those types of things. I, I will share this with, the, uh, with you today, Glenn. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for Calvin White. I've known him a long time, and he's, you know, did a lot of work in, in the early days of the Aboriginal movement. And still today, I, I listened to your conversation with him on Mi'kmaq Matters. That was recorded, I believe, the last one you did. Um, there is one issue that Calvin and I don't see eye to eye on, and that's his view that when this process started, and he shared this view with me recently again, that we should be working on membership based on a fourth generation rule. Meaning, Glenn, for you, for example, if your great grandfather was a big mob person, your father was, and your, your grandfather was, and your father and you, it would mean a fourth generation that beyond you, no one else could be in this band. I'll just share with you and the listeners that if we were working on a fourth generation rule, we wouldn't be worried about an 8,000 member band, or eight, sorry, 18,000 member band. We'd be down to about a four or 5,000 member band. And, you know, and, and that's a, a difference that, that Calvin White and I have in terms of that. So are and, you saying that Calvin White uh, wants a fourth generation? Uh, uh, Calvin uh, White mentioned to me that he thought that a fourth generation rule would be workable and as what we should have gone with in this whole process. And I'm saying to you that a fourth generation rule would mean, number one, that the numbers that are banned at the end of all that would be extremely small. And, and the second thing I'd like to tell you also, based on a fourth generation rule, we probably wouldn't have many young people in the band. There probably wouldn't have been many people who would be, say, 40 years or, or younger in the band. And, and that's where I see this whole process. So for me, I mean, I'm, I'm working with what the document stated. It didn't say you had to be first generation, second generation, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And we have a lot of people, actually, who are members of Halibut uh, who aren't fourth generation. They're fifth and sixth and seventh, yeah, and some maybe even beyond that. But when this whole documentation business started, back in the, even back to the ratification document, it talked about having people who can make a connection to an Aboriginal person or a descendant. It didn't talk about fourth generation or, or any other generation. There was no blood quantum involved. So, I, I mean, Calvin has done a lot of great work, but... You know, uh, I differ with his, his view on who should be in the band uh, generally. So, um, you know, that's where that is. Yeah. But so, it's and, been a struggle. Yes. So just uh, the other point he made was that the, the council, uh, Halibut Council, is not uh, is being more a government or a corporation and is not doing enough advocacy for, for people who've been 
uh, denied or being uh, thrown out in terms of the 10,500 who've, who've um, are losing their status. And I, I just wanted to ask you about the meetings that you had recently uh, with uh, various federal people. What uh, what your ask of them was, and what was the response? Thank you, Glenn. That was, your timing couldn't be better. With respect to the comment about us being a corporation, not an advocacy group, we're both actually. Consider for a moment we have a budget that we we manage for for uh, medical, dental, eye care, health, and so forth, which is quite substantial. We have a six million dollar education budget that we look after. We have four properties that we own. We have up to 60 people who work in this business, counting the guardians when they come on in the summer and part-time. So we're not that big, you know, not 60 as a main base all winter long or all year long. So, yeah, in many senses we, since we are, but we're also an advocacy group. Just let me share with you some of the things that I have been doing uh, with respect to, to all of this problem or mess, as we refer to it, of an enrollment process at Halibu. I've explained our case pretty much to everyone in the country including Minister Carolyn Bennett on three occasions and many from her office. I met with Judy Wilson, Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould, the Minister of Justice and Attorney General on this one, face-to-face. I met with um, our own Minister, Shameless O'Regan. I met with Deputy Minister, Ellen Landro. Um, uh, and I met with Frank Wallen, who was the Senior Director General for INAC. I met with two INAC ADMs, Joel Momany and Martin Rier. I met with the Atlantic Policy Congress. I met with Con River. I met with opposition leaders in Canada. I've had conversations, many with Premier Dwight Paul, Ministers Byrne, Joyce, other provincial MHAs. I've had meetings with the Congress of Aboriginal People. The Federal Liberal Caucus has been, uh, is not really uh, been that supportive for us. Uh, Yvonne Jones and other people in the the Newfoundland Liberal Caucus. And I understand you had a meeting with them recently. Yes, Glenn, I'll tell you, but let me finish up, please. I've also met with the Congress of Aboriginal People, and I've met with the Assembly of First Nations um, and, and others, and a lot of media people, including your organization, the uh, Aboriginal People's Television Network, uh, Western Star, NTV, and, and many, many other people, Glenn, that I, I just haven't got time to mention here. So how are the meetings going? That's a good question. I was in Ottawa this week, and my first meeting with a government representative was with um, Alain uh, Lorendo, who was a deputy minister. And thankfully, in a meeting I attended, which was a 30-minute thing for her, I got 10 minutes of that meeting just to tell her about the situation that's developing in our, in our province, the problems that we have in our families and our communities, the injustice that people think are being done, and all the complicated and emotional and, yes, negative issues that are coming from the enrollment process. And after I finished that 10 minutes of conversation to her and, and Frank uh, Walden, who was a director general, I'll read to you her response to me. I have it, actually. And the deputy minister said, on the Halibut file, technically we have an agreement, but that doesn't mean we don't listen when you talk to us. At the end of the day, we'll probably need to follow what we have. And she goes on to talk about speaking to Fred about a comment I made about a, a, a six-hour meeting that I didn't get a whole lot out of. But she says, but we have to implement the agreement that's signed. If there are issues on implementation that's caused a pause, I wouldn't want you to leave. I wouldn't want to leave you with the idea that we can restart the whole thing over again. And that was from the deputy minister. So, is there a positive support for me, Glenn? Do you think in that regard? Probably not. So, I had a meeting the other day that I called. It's on Thursday with Yvonne Jones, the parliamentary secretary to the minister Carolyn Bennett in INAC, and Goody Hutchings 
was the other person I requested to be in that meeting. I did also ask that Martin Rier be in that meeting. He's the current uh, assistant deputy minister. He was the person who negotiated the agreement in principle with Brendan Shepard in the group back in the early day, and he was involved when the supplemental agreement was being put together. One of the things that uh, that Martin Rier did tell me at one point was, you know, we, we talked about who should have been involved here, and he said, well, the whole process was started or intended to bring recognition to those people who were members of the FNI and those other related bands back in the day. So people, the grassroots people who were, who were involved uh, back in the time, at least we, we came to an agreement on that. But anyway, he didn't make it into this meeting. But I was surprised to find out that my meeting was attended by a whole bunch of other people that I didn't know was going to be there, particularly Fred Caron was involved in that meeting, uh, some others from INAC, uh, minister's assistant, and the director general of INAC for Atlantic Canada was in that meeting by phone, and another gentleman who works in that department in Amherst. So to my shock and surprise, you know, that meeting went ahead. But we offered up, I offered up a solution for some people in this process right now that I think I could have had a chance, and truthfully, these were the grassroots people. These were the people that Calvin White referred to in his interview with you and some of the family names that he mentioned there. I mean, how we can have a process that started off with allowing these people to be considered for recognition, those are the very people that actually voted on ratification to form Halibut First Nation through an agreement in principle. Mm -hmm. But today, we're leaving these people out. These are becoming the forgotten people, and I have concerns about that. So my principal purpose in that meeting was to raise that issue. Anyway, the meeting started off by, by me giving them some history of what happened, the background, how it all came together. And I was supported, actually, by both of our members of parliament. And, I, and a suggestion was offered, actually, to, to put together a committee to try to review this situation of grassroots people, uh, why this was started for them, why they, they're being denied right now. And, and two people particularly, going to share with you, two cases that came to mind that I strongly believe are, are being left out of this project. And that was the case of John Oliver, formerly from Flat Bay, now living in St. John's. And the other case I mentioned, because I knew well, was David Baldwin here in Cornerbrook. These are people that were involved from the early days, you know. Their families were around. They were actively involved. And, yeah, they, they looked aboriginal. They lived it every day, and they felt it in their hearts all their lives. So these are the people that right now this process is attempting to leave out. And these were the people, and there's a lot of just the two of them, uh, Glenn, there's quite a few people that I spoke of. You know, I'll, I'll share this with you also. I mean, I've spoken on behalf of, of the Big Mouth First Nation Assembly and all these other people. I spoke on behalf of people who got a card and they should be staying in this band because I find it hard. And I told the group in, in Ottawa the other day the same thing. I find it difficult how Canada would drop these people after having seven years, which is the time actually will, will have expired when the minister puts a new order and council in place, had a card for seven years, and you're going to take status away from them. I don't know how Canada is going to do that, really. But anyway, that's, that's the plan based on, on these conversations. So, what, so what did the feds have to say about the Oliver and the Baldwin situations? Is there any hope that they and their descendants will be uh, a, found, a way will be found to have them in the band? All right. So, Glenn, I went through this meeting process, and I explained everything out. I was disappointed, in a sense, or lack of a better way to see it, Better way to say it, to have my meeting somewhat hijacked by people who I didn't think were going to be there, had no idea were going to show up. That was a disappointment for me again. But in any case, after all that, we finished our conversation, and I had a meeting with Yvonne Jones and Goody after, just a short one for four or five minutes, to talk about things that they've been working on. They're running into the same uh, problem as I am, by the way. So where you say the Newfoundland caucus and Newfoundland MPs haven't been doing anything for us, they have been trying, but they're not getting anything done any, any different than I am. So here's what happened. Two hours after the meeting, I got a call from the minister's assistant, 
and, and said to me basically this. The request that I made to, to help these people out was basically denied. And further, there won't be any consideration for compromise or changes or otherwise. And the process will go ahead to a conclusion as intended by the supplemental agreement. It's basically a mirror of the, of the conversation that um, um, Helen Lorendo had with me following my meeting at the, at the Congress of Aboriginal People's meeting. So I listed out a whole bunch of things that I've done, people I've met with. And I'll be honest with you and, and for the listeners, I've hit the wall. We've hit the wall right now as an organization. Where do I go from here? There's only one person, Glenn, left that I haven't talked with. And that's the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself. But I'll just suggest, it to, suggest this to you. If I met with the Prime Minister, do you think he'd be filled in or coached on the same commentary that I'm getting today? Mm. Probably yes. And really, what would I get out of that meeting other than to say I've spoken to the highest you know, positioned uh, politician in the country? Right now, we have a process in place in an agreement that was put in place back in 2013 called a Supplemental Agreement. And right now, it appears that the government of Canada wants to see this thing through. They're not listening to what I'm proposing. They're not listening to solutions anymore. They're not listening to suggestions. You know, it is, we have an agreement that was signed. And I hear, you know, we have an agreement that was negotiated. Well, guess what? The truth of it is, there was an agreement negotiated with two people. Former, former president of the FNI, Brendan Shepard, and the CEO of, of, of the Halibut at the time, because they were the only two people involved in this negotiation. And I can assure you, no one on council that I know of anyway was. No vice chief, no counselors. In fact, I made a request one time to Brendan Shepard to have Fred Caron come and meet us face-to-face -face and look us in the eye and tell us why we were going down this road. And his response to me was back in the day, I'm negotiating this deal, not you, and you won't be talking to Fred Caron. Mm. That's a whole contrast compared to what I tried to do when I became chief. You know, the negotiation party, by the way, for the, for the supplemental agreement were only two people. But when I came in as, as a... As a president of the FNI together as being chief of Halibu, I took that committee and expanded it dramatically to include the two place chiefs in Central and Western, uh, Joel Bazan and, and Erica Hurley. I allowed the council to vote on another representative. And yes, at the prompting of the council, uh, the former CEO Halibu was on that thing. So we've opened that whole thing up. And yes, by the way, I've had Fred Caron here in Cornerbrook to meet with our council. And yes, he's been on conference calls with all of our council, including those who walked away from the FNI back last year. Hmm. So, you know, I've done everything I can do in this regard. I mean, I can't meet with anybody else Glenn, in this country to try to talk some sense into this process. And yes, it's complicated. And yes, in the words of, of Calvin White and you, yes, it's messy. It, it's not where we should be. It's not what, you know, could have been done, I suppose. I wasn't at the table. Honestly, I was not. What happened for me as a counselor at the time who was presented with a supplemental agreement after, after the former leader being away for five and a half months trying to, what I thought, get, a, get some money to get the rest of these applications put together, came home with the supplemental agreement and a point system. And just for the, for the record also, I, I want to share something with you. This is really important because I don't know how people get this. I'm right now in front of me looking at the ratification booklet from 2008, which outlined this whole process for everybody who was to vote on it. And it says in this document, I'm reading right out of the book, founding members, eligibility and enrollment. It says to be eligible to be a founding member of Halibut First Nation, you must document that. Number one, you have Canadian ancestry either by birth or adoption. You must prove through genealogy that you're a descendant of a person who is recognized to have been an Aboriginal person. And that person, of course, could predate 1949. But if you were a descendant somewhere along the line and it didn't say, you know, one generation, two, three, four, five, or six, you could prove that you were a descendant, you could be in the band. Secondly, it says... 
to have been a member of a recognized, recognized Newfoundland Mi'kmaq community. On or before March 31st, 1949, the date for which Canada, which Newfoundland joined Canada, or be a descendant of such person by birth or adoption. Next thing it says, not all review registered as a status in the Indian Act. And point four, <coughs> identify yourself as a Mi'kmaq and have substantial connection to other Mi'kmaq on the island of Newfoundland. Substantial connection can be established either by proof that you live in or near one of the communities listed on page 23. These are the 66 communities that we often refer to. Or you frequently visit and or communicate with Mi'kmaq who live in those communities and that you have sought to maintain Mi'kmaq culture of ways of life. So, you know, there's nothing different from that. That was a ratification document, by the way. The agreement in principle said the same thing, and the supplemental agreement is saying the same thing, except for one difference. There was a point system put in place to be applied to people who live outside of our communities, and that point system created an incredible rigor for people trying to become members of Halibut First Nation. And there's where the problem came in. And for those of us that applied before the ban was formed, we got self-identification identification by signing our name on an application for people who came after that date up to November of 2012, those people had to show self-identification by a much more rigorous means. And there's where the problem came for people. Yeah. But those very basics of ancestry, um, connection to a community, being part of a community, being involved in your culture, that was in the very original ref uh, ratification document that people had in their hands and later voted on to form Hello First Nation. But again, I will say to you, the change came or the difference came, came with the point system that impacted a lot of people who are living outside of our communities in Newfoundland. Chief, and, uh, yeah. the, the, uh, we just have a few minutes, but there are two uh, things uh, I want to ask you. One is, um, is, there, uh, is there a possibility that the people who are being uh, losing their status will be on the voters list for the next election if Parliament doesn't get around to uh, finalizing the founders list by a certain time next year. There's a spring sitting, there's a fall sitting of, uh, of yep. Parliament. Is there any possibility that if they don't meet certain timelines, that those 10,500 people will be on the list for the October 2018 election? Okay, Glenn, what I'm hearing from INAC and the government of Canada is that there will be an order in council in place sometime this spring. So what will happen if this goes through the way it's intended right now by government? That means you will have 10,000 people potentially who uh, will not be voting in the next election. It will only be those people who remain on the founders list. And so that number see, is – You don't yeah. see any outside chance of, uh, you know, as sometimes happens, they they don't get around to it or, or there is delay. Uh, you're, you're certain that those 10,500 people will be gone by the time of the next election. I don't know, Glenn. I can't say for certain. Other things may happen in the court cases. Someone may get an injunction to stop the minister from doing that. I don't know, Glenn. I really don't. Yes. But if the minister goes through with a new founding members list by an order of council in this spring, those people who would be knocked out of this band will be out of this band and will be, will be ineligible to vote in the next election. And It'll be a smaller number voting potentially than we have today. And, you know, Glenn, I'll say this. The appeals process is ongoing right now. We've heard back from from um, you know the results of the appeal master in October, November, I think initially in October, about 362 people got a reply or a response. In uh, end of November, uh, 4,515 people got a response, or 513. At the end of December, a number of people will also receive a response, probably six or seven thousand, and whatever's left over will be done some in January. 
Uh, from what I can understand, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, ex- you know, I didn't think much was going to come out of the appeals positive for people. And, you know, this is what we're seeing today. People went through a tremendous amount of effort to put an appeal in, uh, you know, extra documents or whatever, you know, whatever they recorded and put in as part of their, their commentary. And uh, so far, I can suggest that, you know, not many people were successful with the appeal. And I'm expecting that not too many will with the final results that come out in December and whatever happens in January. And and this is a sad situation for people, you know. Yeah. Our own uh, appeal, of course, was done at, at Halibut, at the FNI. We appealed for over, I think, nearly 3,500 people, and our appeal was lost also. So it hasn't been going very well. And as I offer solutions to the government of Canada on how we can fix this up, I mean, I can't save everybody, Glenn, you know. It's, it's not possible. And and a lot of people in this country aren't supporting us either. You know, when we hear they hear talk of 103,000 people making an application, you know, they're not really supporting us. I have very little support from other, you know, bands and, and Aboriginal jurisdictions in Canada. I have, you know, really, we're, the own, we're on our own a, on this one yeah. and, and trying to find a way to come to a conclusion that at least satisfies more people in this process. This has been a tough process, Glenn, and I hope, you know, that no one else ever has to go through this the way we did. This has caused a lot of controversy in our communities, a lot of hurt. A lot of families that are, that are very hurt over it, families that are, are fighting among themselves. We have communities, you know, pitted against communities here. And you know what? We even had our own council. We had four members of our council who, because they weren't part of this at any time previously, said, I don't want to be, you know, part of this right now. And, and these are the kinds of things that we're facing. So, you know, the wonderful thing that happened out of enrollment and recognition, and God, you know, bless everybody who was involved in that and made a contribution to getting a band formed. And that was a positive thing. You know, but what's happened now, though, is kind of like you know, a sad irony to, a, to an excitement of a recognition of people, you know, being Mi'kmaq, you know, in, in this province and, you know, in this country. And that was a wonderful thing. But what have we done to that whole exercise? We've, we've made it pretty, you know, kind of, you know, yeah, not, a, not as nice as it should have been. toxic at the moment. Uh, the yeah, that's thing, right. The last thing I wanted to ask you, and I think uh, people will want to know, are you running again for chief in 2018? Glenn, I can tell you in the list is right now, I absolutely am unless I'm dead. Because <laughs> we had a lot of good things going right now. Uh, there's a lot of initiatives that we're working on, a lot of positive things from, you know, Urban Reserve to the, the yep. deals we're trying to work in the expansion of our fishery, the things we have to do from a business development perspective with the Hellebore Development Corporation. There's a lot of good things happening. You know, if people out there listening say, I hear this all the time, Brendan Mitchell is doing nothing. Brendan Mitchell is doing a lot, and the, and the guys on the IC committee to try to help this problem of Glen, where you've hit the wall. The government of Canada is not interested in the solutions that we're offering, and, and that's about, the problem. Uh, could I ask about, uh, have you heard from uh, your council members, how many of them are, are re-offering, or do you expect a lot of them will will not run and there'll be new people on council after the next oh, election? Yeah, Glenn, I don't know. I have talked to a few councillors that expressed interest and some people on the outside who expressed an interest in throwing their name in the hat to see what comes. And there's nothing wrong with that, Glenn. That's democracy. But at the end of the day, people will decide or people will vote on who they think is best to, you know, as a council particularly, to, to manage the leadership of Halibut First Nation on behalf of people in communities. And, you know, if, if you say to me, uh, how did I do? What was my scorecard looking like? Look, Glenn, we've done a lot of good things this past year. In the past two years, we've been here. The scorecard on enrollment has been tough. You know, we, we hit the wall on this one. The government of Canada is, is wants to finish a process that was put in place. 
and they say we have a signed agreement and we're going to see it through. Where it goes after that, I'm not sure. But if anybody there thinks that Brendan Mitchell has done nothing, I've been all over this country from one end to the other trying to support this situation on behalf of our people and our applicants. But to date, and I've listed, I've listed for you already today those I've talked with and the comments that have made, been made back to me about this entire process. It hasn't been easy. It's been a struggle. And again, the government of Canada is not listening to solutions that I'm offering that I think I can help ourselves and help the government of Canada out. And that's a shame. But they're going to see this process through the way they say it was intended, by way of a signed supplemental agreement and point system, and I can't get that fixed at this point. I'm going to keep trying, though. We still have a little time. But at the end of the day, if people you know, come into this election and say, well, Brendan Mitchell never tried or Brendan Mitchell never did his job, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I can assure you and the listeners that Brendan Mitchell is trying, and I'm trying hard, and I'm putting a lot of energy into what we're trying to accomplish here on behalf of people, on behalf of families and communities. I am not the problem in this process. Well, and I'll say, say to those out there again, you Facebook people who I refer to you sometimes as the, the Mutual Admiration Society, stop wasting your time trying to pound on me and the other counselors. Put your energy to where it needs to be with those that, that can may help you out here. Those people are your members of parliament. There's nothing wrong with writing the minister and telling them how, how you feel. But they constantly be at, at me and stuff. Hey, you're wasting your breath and you're wasting your time. Um, just try to do something more constructive because what you're, what you're doing isn't working. It's not helping. I'm doing a lot of different things and, you know, I'm having trouble myself, you know, trying to work in a more positive and a more productive way than, than getting on Facebook and criticizing everybody involved. Well, Chief, thanks for uh, speaking with me today. I appreciate your time, and Merry Christmas, and to be continued in 2018. Thank you, Glenn. I want to say in finishing, I'd like to wish all of our people, our Mi'kmaq people across the province and the country, a very Merry Christmas. You know, and I hope, I hope your homes are filled this year with the true spirit of Christmas, that of family, kinship, and friendship, and good food, and good times, and, yeah, and good music, and good culture. So always remember your culture, and I encourage everyone this time, at this time of year, to reflect on, on the past, your people before you, your great-grandparents, your parents, your siblings, and, and those that have been lost, and your children and your family. Think back of the, of the good times. That. And hopefully in 2018, Glenn, we'll have a little more positive uh, note with respect to enrollment, because uh, who knows, hopefully there'll be an intervention that will help this whole situation out. So God bless everyone. Uh, we'll allow you. Thank you, Chief.